hear the collective sigh of relief from those of us who've now come out the other end of the exam period. Now, all we have to do is wait for the results. But amongst us, there are Year 10 parents, the next cohort of GCSE studying families who are considering the trek ahead as they leave the relative comfort of Year 10 to the adventure that is next year's exam year. So, just what is the best way to put your best foot forward on this particular journey? Hello and welcome to the Study Sessions podcast. I'm Nathan, founder of The Study Buggy, and your host. In this, the third season of the podcast, I've been chatting with parents, students and teachers to hear how things were going in the run-up to the exams in 2022. Well, as the exams are now over, it does seem to make sense that this should be the final episode. And, in true study buddy style, we're going to be using this opportunity to look to the future and to think about those parents who are looking for ways to support their own teams as they start to think about the summer and then the exams in 2023 or beyond. This week, I'm absolutely thrilled to be joined by Rachel Stewart. And Rachel is an academic coach and founder of The Mindset Lab. Rachel, thanks so much for joining me today. Before we start, I wonder, actually, if you could just talk us through what it is to be an academic coach and I guess how that differs from what we all know and love as typical tutors. Brilliant. Thank you, Nathan. Great to be here. So, yes, um, an academic coach does differ from a tutor. So in terms of what an academic coach does, I look more holistically at how to help students raise their results across the board. So tutors will certainly at this level at GCSE be subject specific and they are really the experts in the content and the exam for that one subject. But what I found is a gap for a lot of students is actually they're not just struggling in one subject. They are actually often struggling with quite a lot of things. They might be struggling with motivation. They might be struggling with time management. They might just almost not know where to start. When you come back from school, you've got 10 GCSE subjects. And outside your homework, where would I even go to start studying? Um, I, the other thing about an academic coach is I work a lot with students on metacognition. So really understanding how to learn rather than just what to learn so that they can remember more of what they learn and do better and achieve their potential. Fantastic. And I think that's the kind of thing, certainly as a parent who's been through this twice now, uh, you can see that these are the kinds of skills that I think many of us would expect would be picked up at school. Um, but just aren't but for one reason or another and from a timing point of view I think it's, it's um, fantastic to talk to you now as I say we're, we're ending the school year and starting to think about exams for, for those parents who are in year 10 at the moment so is now a good time to start thinking about sort of those softer skills that you talked about not necessarily the contenty stuff but the, the motivation and, and all of those things that we really want to be tip top in our students as they head into their final GCSE year yeah, definitely. I think now is a great time because what I always say to parents is time is your friend. So when you've got a long runway ahead of you, actually GCSEs don't need to be hard. You can get through the content. Little and often marginal gains, I always say these small changes add up to huge results when they compound over time. 
What is a challenge is when I get phone calls from parents in April and even this year, May of year 11 or year 13. And with the best role in the world, when your runway is just so short, there is a, a limited amount as to what you can do. So I think now is a great time. You've got the mock results back, hopefully, or you're about to get them back. You've got a bit of a line in the sand. And it's an opportunity to put your foot on the ball, reflect with where you are now, and then think about, right, I've got 11 months, roughly. That is a huge amount of time. And actually, life can be quite easy if we start just edging away at these things. Mm. And so, as you say, I mean, 11 months feels like a long feels like a long time. And certainly in the teen mind, 11 months is nothing short of a lifetime. So is now... For them, sort of, does it is it going to feel too early? I can imagine now that an awful lot of parents, in putting this towards their children, that we've got eleven months. Let's start now because it'll be that much easier. But they'll just turn and go, "No, mum, I don't, or dad, I don't. Just don't need to bother about it now. I'll think about it in September." What can you do against that kind of pushback? Yeah, and I think that to be fair, that is a you know it's a fair challenge. And I think some parents that I've spoken to recently who who have children who've joined my cohort, I started a cohort of group coaching in June, and some of them said to me, actually, should we start now because it's a six week program and it'll take us to the mid July, and actually then we're not going to apply it for the summer. Actually, should we just leave it and start in September? And people make different decisions depending on what's right for them and and their son or daughter. But personally, for me, I always say front load any support. The luxury position is to turn the tap off and to chill out and, you know, put your feet up. The hard choice is where actually you're playing catch up. You've built a huge amount of work and then it's hard, it's stressful and all of those things. So for me, an ideal scenario, I think, would be to sort of, as we get the mock results in, to use that as an opportunity to just have a chat and say, you know, what do you think to either, you know, to your son or daughter? What, how do you feel about how they've gone? Is, are you on track to get a set of results that's going to make you proud when you open that envelope or get that email in August 2023? If nothing changed at this point, would you be proud of where you're at? And I think for quite a lot of people, the answer to that may well be, no, they haven't quite gone as well as I'd hoped. And then I think it's that opportunity to open up that conversation about, okay, so what might we do to influence and change that? And yes, everyone wants to enjoy their summer. And by no means am I saying or advocating that we should, you know, be doing loads and loads of studying over the summer. But I think for students who are keen and have got a bit of motivation by the fact that perhaps their mocks haven't quite worked out for them, the summer can be a nice opportunity just to do a little bit. The summer's long. You know, most people aren't on holiday, unfortunately. I'm sure we'd all love to be for seven weeks or six weeks. But actually, you know, to tick away and maybe do a couple of hours here and there. I just find that when students are doing better at school, it just is this spiral of you start to do a bit better, you get more confidence, you get a bit more self-belief. That then in turn motivates you to do a bit more. And, you know, ideally you'd be in the position where you start back in September with a little bit of momentum rather than starting back from a standing start. But of course, you know, I'm a coach and nothing I say is a must. These are just sort of my personal thoughts and, and ideas to share. I'm writing these down as a tick list for the future. So I'm, I'm taking this as gospel. 
But actually, going back and thinking about what you were talking about when you were thinking about how the mocks have been, uh, what I really loved there was the idea that you're encouraging the students to visualise how they're going to feel when they get their results and and what that's going to be like to them. Are they going to feel proud of themselves? That's quite a powerful thing, isn't it? If you can actually encourage them to imagine what that future them is going to feel. Definitely. And I think as much as possible, a key thing that really works is actually that the young person, that the student takes ownership. This is about them achieving their goals. This isn't about them doing something because a teacher is expecting it or the school's expecting it or a parent's expecting it. Actually, this intrinsic motivation, which is I'm doing this for me and, you know, what is going to make me feel proud? And actually, I've worked over the years now with a lot of students and their parents have come to me and they might be, you know, not passing their GCSEs. They might be getting twos and threes. And sometimes their parents will say, I'm not sure they're that motivated to do anything. I think they've given up. And I have never yet worked, I could be proven wrong in the future, but to this point, I've never actually worked with a student who is happy to get twos and threes and who doesn't want to pass. I think when you talk to a student about what they want and what's going to make them feel proud, they're actually often much, much higher aspirations than perhaps the parents or some teachers might have have thought of for them. And I think sometimes that can be because when we don't do so well, it's actually easier to disengage and to not try. I've definitely seen that. I would rather give up and fail and say I didn't even bother than try and fail because that would mean something about me or my intelligence or, you know, my sense of self-worth. Because as you say, the, there's that spiral, isn't there, that, that a virtuous circle of if I, if I put in a little bit of effort, I, I start to see some rewards, I see the rewards, I feel good about myself, I feel good about myself, I'll put a bit more effort in and so on and so on. But the, the converse is absolutely true. And I think that a number of us would have recognised that in our, in our own children, that when things start to go wrong, as you say, they just foot off the gas, completely disengage and go, oh, forget it. Either a fixed mindset approach of I'm never any good at that anyway, or, as you say, that, that apathy of, well, actually, who cares? And if I didn't try, I didn't actually fail, which was um, something that we heard about quite, uh, quite a lot in the previous episode. And I mean, as you say, this is a great time, even if you're not focusing on Macbeth quotes, to start chipping away at what those motivations are with our children, aren't they? Yeah, definitely. I think it's a good time to put your sort of a line in the sand after you've had the mocks and have that chat with your student about what their goals might look like and what they want to achieve, what's going to make them feel proud. And then how as a parent can you support that? We're all, as parents, guilty of doing things that really help and perhaps also sometimes doing things that don't help so much, not because it's not well-intended, but just, you know, that's human nature of parenting. It's tough. It's a tough gig, right? So, yeah, I think that. And I also think that it's worth starting to, if they can, ideally, if they're open to it and if we can get past the sort of goal-setting stage and we, we can talk a bit more if you want to explore how you know, some thoughts about how you might do that with your son or daughter. And then actually moving on to starting to then do some of the subject content and starting to review some of that and maybe have a go at some past paper questions, just some light-hearted things that you could do to keep the momentum over the summer, keep things ticking along and just build a bit of confidence. 
having just come out of the exam period, there's there's nothing that I remember more of the more immediate past that was lighthearted about a past paper question. <laughs> but I do, I, do I, I completely take your point. This this needn't be a high stakes. Sit down in your room, um, only have your desk lamp on, and you're not leaving until you've answered the question about um, circuits and forces or whatever. But yeah, absolutely. It's <laughs> so actually, I'd love to go back to that setting goal. So actually, what are the practical kinds of things that as parents we can do to engage our children in, in starting to think about what their academic goals specifically might be? I think it's hard as a parent sometimes to have these conversations. And when parents talk to me, they say it's hard because there's a sort of boundary issue sometimes as a parent and it can be challenging because you're so invested in it and the, the way that you approach that conversation, the response that you might get from your son or daughter, you know, you don't want that defensiveness. But I think for me, I would first of all suggest any of these types of conversations to try and have them maybe in a car journey, go out for a coffee, go out for lunch, try and create a sort of different environment where you can perhaps have a couple of goals at having these chats and maybe chip away at things. Obviously, this will very much be dependent on your son or daughter and their personality and what they're they're like and what they're going through and then also sort of your relationship with them and how that works. But yeah, I mean, for me, I would say the first thing would be to reflect on what results are going to make them proud, like we spoke about. So what do they want to feel in August 23, how do they want to feel about themselves? What do they want to see? What do they want to be hearing? Sort of cast your mind forward to that day and what would you like it to look like? And a simple way of doing that might just be to bullet point your subjects on one side and write a list of what the grades are that you would like next to each subject. So just keep it dead simple, a measurable sort of goal on what grades would I like? What's going to make me proud? And then the second thing is to then to start thinking about why is that important? What are the reasons that are going to keep them committed to those goals? So that might be getting to university, it might be getting a certain type of job, it might be getting onto an A-level course. There's loads of things that will come out there. But I think that having really concrete whys and helping to give a purpose is the foundation really of motivation when things get tough and when you can't be bothered, you know, trying to think about that why. The next thing I would encourage parents to sort of have a chat about is beliefs. And I am a very strong advocate that our beliefs systems have a big impact on our motivation and also our academic performance. And I'm not alone in that. There are several academic studies that show what the researchers call self-efficacy, which is the same thing. It's about our beliefs that we can achieve in a certain situation have a big impact on our academic performance. So what we think is possible for us has a has a huge impact on what eventually comes true. So I would encourage conversation around, you know, what, what do you need to believe about yourself if you're going to achieve these goals? What do you need to believe about your abilities? What do you need to believe about your intelligence? And just starting to explore those things and perhaps just lay a few seeds And that's all I think it's slow progress. It's not you're going to get, I don't think, from A to B in this conversation and tick every box. It's just perhaps starting to think about what those beliefs might be. And then the last thing in the sort of four box grid, which I think about, and if it's helpful, I can put a one pager goal setting download that you could put in the show notes if people wanted to download around these sort of four sections and, and perhaps yeah, fabulous. Yeah, use that as a bit of a structure. But yeah, so once you've got your sort of actual goals, you've then got your whys, you've got your beliefs, and then it's thinking about 
behaviors. So goals without hard work are unlikely to be achieved. So what behaviors do you need to perhaps start, stop? And then what good stuff are they already doing that you'd want to continue? With the students I work with, we always start the program by filling in our goals and having them on a one pager. And I ask them then to print it out and pin it somewhere that they're going to see it every day. And just that visual, having it in your eye line somewhere, whether that's in your bedroom, on the fridge, people put it in all sorts of places, their screensaver on their laptop. But it's just that reminder that actually this is what I'm working for. This is what I want to achieve. And helps to keep people on track students always say that it's it's very helpful mm. absolutely i love that but i think you can see where the power in that would come i think also as you as you opened with you can see that actually that is sometimes going to be a difficult conversation for a parent and child depending on the nature of that relationship because more often than not the student that the child is imagining that this is coming with a preconceived idea of either what that end goal should be or or what needs to change. I think as parents, we do tend to come at these conversations. I know the answer. Let's go through a performative process of you trying to get to where I am. And uh, my own experience is not actually working through anything like this, which, as I say, I think is, is uh, brilliant, is that you need to take yourself out of that parenting role, don't you, to, to sort of really get the best out of uh, out of the, the conversations that you're having and just sort of tentatively exploring these ideas at first, maybe. Mm. It definitely, I think as a parent, it would have to be tentative. You'd probably have to explore them over a few different conversations. I think the environment in which you explore it, sometimes, you know, car journeys can work well because it's a bit more informal. You don't necessarily have as much eye contact, but whatever you think works for you. But I am a parent myself. My children are younger. They're not yet in their GCSE years, but I know from the joys of homeschooling, you know, and trying to think about what even little goals, like what are we going to achieve today? And, you know, those type of things. <laughs> it is hard as a parent. There is something about the relationship that just makes that hard. So I'd also say to parents, don't be too hard on yourselves. Don't expect that it's all, you know, that you're going to get maybe that far in the first conversation and maybe be pre- prepared to have a, a few goals at mm. eking these things out over a few weeks. Yeah, because a simple process that you said, like the, the- four grid idea doesn't necessarily mean that it's a straightforward route yeah definitely it's hard being a parent do you have any particular tips that that parents can use on how to motivate their children and I suppose keep it fun yeah a few things I would say are praise the small wins so every improvement is an improvement even if it might not be the ideal improvement that you're looking for I think remembering that actually small changes add up to big results. So praise the small wins. Any improvement is good. And I think that is worth saying it. I think the other thing is around practice makes progress rather than practice makes perfect. So that's perhaps another way to think about it. And another key thing that I always discuss with my students is I try and decouple results from intelligence. Exams are not about intelligence. Exams aren't a test of that. They are a test of your ability to pass the exam, or in particular, a test of your ability to intimately understand the mark scheme so that you can pass it and say exactly what the examiner wants. So I think remembering that their their intelligence doesn't equal the results. Their intelligence just equals what they how well they've optimized to pass the exam. And actually we can over time we can accumulate, we can learn those skills very much in the growth mindset sort of sphere. And we can get better at passing exams. And we don't need to change our intelligence in order to do that. We've got everything we need right now. 
And yeah, really as well, anything that helps your child to believe in themselves and boosting their confidence, their self-belief. I think all of those things are good ways to go ideally rather than perhaps and and the sort of more criticism route or feeling frustrated, those types of things. I would encourage parents perhaps to explore the carrot a bit more and yeah, see how that works for them. I'm also reminded, actually, I think it was in our very first episode. So as, we, as we're as we here with season three finale, it seems quite apt to think about the very first episode. And it was uh, Dr. Dominique Thompson who talked about this side-by-side chat. And it was exactly that idea that actually if you're if you're not sat down, you're not. It's not forced. It's not. It doesn't feel deliberate, and you're not making a lot of eye contact. That actually, that can diffuse an otherwise tense conversation between parent and child. Yeah, I think it, you can often get really insightful things, can't you? At that time, my children are younger, so often at bedtime things will come out that haven't come out throughout the whole day, and then they'll just sort of pop it in there. Therapists quite often call it the door handle moment, you know, just as they're about to leave the session or GPs sometimes talk about this, then they'll, they'll, they'll say something just as they're about, about to go. So I think it can come out in all different at times. And yeah, I think you trust yourself as a parent to know what's worked well for you in the past and what's worked, yeah, for that particular relationship. Definitely showing my age, all of my, all of my middle age, <laughs> middle ageness is coming through. And actually all I could really picture there was Columbo. And that whole thing of, you won't know, you won't know about this. Columbo, when he used to, oh, one more question. And as you say, it's that last bit that tends to be quite poignant. Doesn't yeah, it? I remember Columbo back in the days when we only had four channels and you had to watch things that you didn't necessarily want to watch because, you know, there was no YouTube, no instant stuff. No, although having said that, I'm fairly sure with TikTok, they're still watching things that they don't want to watch, but feel obliged to. Yeah, well, that's, true. A, that's, a, that's a deep social comment there. But, <laughs> but, uh, I fear we might take, we might go off track. <laughs> So the summer is a long time, isn't it, to, to do all of this? As you say, they've got they've got plenty of time and starting to think about it sooner seems like the best idea. If for one reason or another it's not been the kind of conversation that's that's been triggered on some idyllic countryside walk, <laughs> should parents be concerned and um, as they're ed- entering the new academic year that these kinds of things aren't in place? Absolutely not. It- the vast majority of people and students across the country will be going into September without that in place. And it is not going to be the key determinant of success or failure. It would be helpful to start September and start to think about those conversations. I think in reality, a lot of people might wait till the end of year 11 mocks to really start to think about those things. And actually, I think a lot of parents, it might not even cross their mind to have these discussions, actually. They might not even, it might not even be in their sphere of awareness. So I think by just even thinking about these types of things and chipping away at them in any way, you'll be ahead of the game for the vast, vast majority of people out there. So, yeah, I would say it's never too late to start. You can make a huge difference, whether it be September, January, or even actually within the study leave period you know ideally we don't want to leave things that late there is it is harder to make a difference at that point because you need to make bigger increments every every day or every week to make a difference but yeah I wouldn't be stressed by that at all and I would say the vast majority of people wouldn't have these things in place but if you can I think they'll be helpful for you because as you said before I think a lot of us parents put a lot of pressure on ourselves about what it is that we should be doing, what it is that our children should be doing. But actually, this is a great 
a great time, isn't it? A great opportunity to also enjoy yourself. Definitely. You? They've had a, a stressful couple of years. There's no need to labour uh, on the point. But, I mean, the summer is here for as much living as as is, is for anything else. So, as you say, sort of finding that balance between getting the right stuff in place but also not not making this a be-all and end-all, I think, is, uh, is also an important feature. I couldn't agree more. And I think actually making things fun, even when you're back at school, is absolutely key. If we want to be productive and we want to do things, the first rule of anything is make it fun. And we don't want, GCSEs can be fun. There's loads of fun to be had and, you know, fun times with friendships and things that we do out of school and in school. And I think actually keeping things fun and keeping students enjoying the process to me is massively important this doesn't need to be taking over anyone's life or be a sort of noose around your neck I think it's if we can make things easy and just do little bits then actually it can be it can be fun little and often small changes add up to big results and Certainly in the summer, I would be saying it would be no more than an 80-20 rule, as in 80% of the time you are not thinking about school or doing anything. It's just if you wanted to, and perhaps your mock results weren't what you wanted, and you've got the time and the inclination, then it's certainly not going to do any harm to start thinking about things. What a fantastic way to end season three. I mean, I really got a positive feeling, some really good vibes about the possibilities of having talked to Rachel. I know that more often than not, teens can be difficult to manage. And I say that as an understatement of all understatements. I mean, sometimes our support can be met with suspicion. Actually, and sometimes it can even be met with hostility. From experience, that can often be because there's no common understanding about what everyone is aiming for. And that's why I really love this simple grid idea that Rachel talked about. It might not be a sit-down activity that you do with your child. I think for us parents, that might be a bit odd. But it should certainly give us a really good framework to help think about where the conversations might go. And it is worth remembering, as we're recording this, that we're talking about this being over the summer holidays. So while it is an ideal time to start to get some of that groundwork in place, It's also really, really importantly a time for our children to recharge after the school year and frankly make the most of the time off. Of course, it might also not suit you or your team to work through this at this point. In fact, I can almost hear in the distance the moans of teenage angst at having to think about school or schoolwork in August. And if that's the case, then just simply try to find time to have those side-by-side chats and just introduce the idea. Remember, as Rachel said, small changes can lead to big results. But we're not under time pressure. There is still time to do all of that. And to that end, if you are thinking about how you can best support your child through their future exams, I'd really recommend, obviously, having a look through some of the other episodes across not just this season, but all three seasons of our podcast. I mean, we've been lucky enough to listen to some fantastic guests, whether that's just hearing a parent sharing their own experiences so that we can appreciate we're not in this alone, or hearing from one of the many educators and specialists who've been sharing some fantastic professional advice. I'd really like to think that you'd be able to take something away from every single episode. And all of it 
is there with the single-minded purpose of just helping you as a parent to help your own young person to fulfill their potential, which is what we all want, isn't it? My thanks to Rachel for taking the time to chat with me and, of course, to you for listening. And don't forget, if you're looking for practical ways that you can support your own young person to fulfill their potential in their revision, then why not head over to the Study Buddy website? There you'll find a whole host of information about our innovative time management and study organising approach. And you'll also find a blog that's packed full of useful articles, hints and tips, as well as links to all of the episodes in the all three seasons of the podcast. To find out more, simply head to thestudybuddy.com. I hope you found this episode useful. And if you did, I wonder if you'd mind leaving us a review and if it's not too much to ask, a five-star rating. It all helps us to reach other parents who, just like the rest of us, are looking for ways of making sense of it all in the run-up to exams. And of course, don't forget to share the link to this and other episodes on your social media weapon of choice. It's all greatly appreciated. Well, that's it for season three. I hope that you've enjoyed listening as much as I've enjoyed chatting. We're bound to return with even more study sessions in the future, but until then, feel free to get in touch by emailing me, hello at thestudybuddy.com. In the meantime, enjoy your summer and happy studying.